Good morning, church. My name is Jeff Brookshire, and I'm the pastoral care pastor here at Crossroads. And I got a question for you this morning. How many of you have in the past or in the present raised farm animals? Anybody? A few? A few? All right. How many of you raised chickens? Anybody raised chickens? All right. So uh, when I first moved to Georgia 15 years ago, we moved to Gainesville. And uh, one of the things that I had to get used to was seeing the trucks packed full of chickens. And I learned very quickly that when you come to a stoplight, you do not pull right up against the truck. <laughs> not a good idea. I've seen Mount Rushmore. I've, I've seen the Washington Monument. I've seen the Lincoln Memorial. But I'd never seen a memorial to a chicken in downtown Gainesville. That was quite a shock. I, it was, it's so small on top of there. It took me a while to figure it out. But uh, yeah, a monument to a chicken. And I'd never seen dead chickens laying along the road before. I'd seen possums and raccoons and squirrels and rabbits, but never dead chickens. And in my twisted mind of seeing these dead chickens, I imagined the chicken breaking free from the cage and clucking, I'm free. I'm free, I'm free. Freedom over, <laughs> right? That's chickens. How many of you uh, in the past or now raised goats? Any, anybody? All right, that's great. I don't know anything about goats other than there's some on the roof in Clayton, Georgia. That's all I know. How many of you have raised pigs in the past or raising them now? Anybody? So my wife... Um, she grew up on a farm. Her, her father uh, raised uh, chicken, or chickens, raised um, seed corn and soybeans, had acres and acres of seed corn and, and soybeans. But across the road were their distant cousins. In fact, every road in White County had distant cousins of my wife. And across the road there, they also raised um, seed corn and soybeans, but they also raised hogs. They had a big hog barn. And I'm telling you, whenever the wind shifted out of the southeast, Jill's family ran for the windows to shut them. And if there was laundry on the line, somebody was running outside to get that laundry on the line because it was intense. And they had what they called a honey wagon. Now, it wasn't filled with honey, and there was nothing sweet about it. It was a tanker filled with pig waste. And they would go out on the fields, and they would spread this pig waste right on top of the wagon and spreading the pig waste. You were rolling up those windows, and even then, your eyes were watering. It was that intense. How many of you raised cattle? Anybody in here? I just want to say thank you for the steak that I had last night at Longhorn. It was, it was awesome. How many of you have uh, raised sheep? Anybody raise sheep? Uh, when I moved to Brookston, Indiana, right before I went into um, high school, uh, Dempster Martin was my bus driver. Dempster Martin and Ruth Martin were the sweetest kindest, most generous people you could ever, ever meet. Dempster has died and Ruth is still living, 
But they were. They were just sweet and kind and generous. Dempster was a sheep farmer, and he was my bus driver. And I'm telling you, I can still remember the very first day that I was to get on the bus to go to high school, him opening up those doors, and the smell of sheep came wafting out. In fact, we used to joke that Dempster must have every morning before he picked us up transported his sheep on the bus from field to field. It always smelled like sheep. Now, that's all I know about sheep, (laughs) Uh, except for uh, because the sheep are mentioned so often in the Bible. In fact, we're compared to sheep. And because shepherds are mentioned so often in the Bible, in fact, Jesus is called the good shepherd, that I've read a fair amount about sheep and shepherds. Today, what I want to do is is I want to talk about how Jesus is the good shepherd. What makes him good? And I'm going to use the famous passage, the 23rd Psalm. The first thing we learn is the shepherd is the source of everything we need. The shepherd is the source of everything we need. The psalmist says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, I'll be honest with you, I probably don't have a lot of faith, and this is a faithless statement, but the truth is, is that when I read Scripture, sometimes I read it critically. And what I mean by that is, is I'm asking the question, how is this true? How is this really true? And I can be very pessimistic at times. For example, at first, read... I shall not want, I questioned that at first. Because there are Christ followers who want. There are Christ followers who want for shelter. There are Christians who are homeless. There are Christ followers who want for clean water. There are Christians who are sick, who have died because they only had diseased water to drink. There are Christ followers who want for food. There are Christians who are bloated or who have died because of hunger. There are Christ followers who want. And so I'm like, how is it true that Jesus is the shepherd and we shall not want? I spent a lot of time thinking about that, and I realized that the shepherd has provided He's provided through his body, the church. It's the failure of the body of Christ, not the failure of the shepherd, because Jesus set it up that those who have are to give to those who have not. Don't believe me? Read Matthew 25. The Bible tells us, or Jesus tells us, that he's coming back. Jesus is going to come back. He died was resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven, and he is coming back someday. It could be today. It could be 100 years from now. We do not know, but Jesus is coming back in glory. And one of the roles that he's going to play when he comes back is as shepherd. He's going to separate the sheep, those who followed him, from the goats, it says. And he says the characteristics of the sheep are the sheep 
saw those who were hungry and gave them food. The sheep are those who saw those who were thirsty and gave them something to drink. The sheep are those who saw those who had inadequate clothing and gave them clothing. The sheep are those who saw those who were sick or in prison and visited them. He says those who had gave to those who had not. That's his plan. And yet the body of Christ has fallen short of this. We've, we've decided that it's the government's responsibility, even though the Bible says it's the church's responsibility to provide for those who have not. But the, also the truth is, is that for many of us, we are maxed out in our budgets. We don't have margin to be able to give to the poor and that's because we've listened to the mortgage financers who tell us, you can afford this much house. Which what they're saying is, max out your budget and pay for this much house. Or we've listened to the auto financers. You can buy this much car, taking us right up to the edge of our budget. Or we've listened to the credit card companies, 0% for the first year. Travel miles. But we're going to charge you 20% or more every year for what you do. Max it out. This is how much credit you can afford. We've taken our budgets to the edge, and we have no margin for giving to the poor. Friends, we've got to change that. Now, I don't, I don't care where you give. It can be to Africa. It can be to Ukraine or to the refugees. It could be right here in Jackson County. I don't care who you give through. It could be through Jill and I. We, we like Samaritan's Purse. We like Convoy of Hope. But you decide. But that's the way that the shepherd wants to provide for his sheep, for those who have not. Now, let's be also honest about this. Physical needs are not the most important needs that we want for. Physical things are for a lifetime. Spiritual things are for eternity. And those things, those eternal things, those spiritual needs, are something that no Christ follower ever needs to want for. So the rest of Psalm 23 talks about some of the spiritual wants that we have that we never need to want for. The first that I would mention is the, the shepherd leads to inner peace. The shepherd leads to inner peace. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. When I lived in Indiana, it was not uncommon for me on the weekends to be out kayaking. In the area that I lived in Indiana, there are all these little lakes, these tiny little lakes. Most of them you can't ski on. It's just a fishing lake, and they're absolutely beautiful. They were created when the uh, glacier uh, moved back thousands of years ago and left huge chunks of ice 
that made indentations in the ground and melted and created lakes. Some of them are spring-fed, and they're gorgeous. There are a few cottages around all of them, but most of them are surrounded by trees, and they're just absolutely... Some of them are so crystal clear, you can see fish swimming underneath your kayak. I loved it. I loved it because kayaking, you could paddle as hard as you want and get a good workout. Kayak takes you. Sit back and just float wherever the kayak takes you. Peaceful. I came to Georgia. I had a hard time finding little lakes. I found Lake Lanier when we moved to Gainesville. Not little. Not peaceful to kayak on, especially on the weekends. And I found rivers. Every single river was different than when I was in um, Indiana, at least that I've found so far. They all had rapids, some sort of rapids on them. And I wasn't used to that. In fact, um, our family, Jill and the kids and I, went to a river somewhere here in North Georgia. I don't remember the name of it. And we rented kayaks, and we got in the river, and it was moving pretty good. But we were still being able to have fun until we hit the rapids. And they were the most rapidy rapids that I'd ever been on in my life. In fact, Jill got dumped and got pinned up against a rock. She still has a scar from it today. So I, as a natural superhero, Marvel material right here, I went to save her. I got dumped and pinned against a rock. Not peaceful at all. Jesus gives us the image of the good shepherd who is peaceful. So I'd like for you to do something for me that we don't usually do except for during prayer. I'd like for you to shut your eyes with me. Take in a deep breath. Let it out. And use your imagination. Imagine being in a green pasture where there is nothing that you're allergic to. Imagine laying on your back and just looking up at the beautiful blue sky and the fluffy white clouds meandering by, changing shape as they go. And imagine just just imagining what the shapes are. Oh, that one looks like a turtle. That one looks like a flower. That one looks like a dinosaur. Peace. Now imagine being next to a lake. And the water is so still. It looks like glass reflecting the blue sky above. Peace. 
Now imagine being in your peaceful place, the most peaceful place that you've ever been in. Imagine that now. Peace. Now you can open your eyes. That's what we want, right? Is we want peace. And the good shepherd leads us to peace. But we all know that sometimes storms hit. <laughs> sometimes you need to run out of the pasture because of the lightning. Sometimes you got to get off the water because of the waves. Sometimes storms hit and they hit hard. Knowing the shepherd, though, has not left you has not forsaken you, knowing that the shepherd is going to keep his promises to you, can give you peace here, even though there's not peace out here. Two years ago, um, I was going through a dark time. Um, many of you know, I think I've mentioned it here before, 16 years ago, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. And two years ago, I was diagnosed with bipolar depression too. And uh, I'm not embarrassed about saying that, to be honest, it's an illness. Uh, like when I had cancer, it was an illness. But um, I have mental illness and I was sliding into a depression. I've been, had enough dark depressive times I knew I was headed in that direction. So I was meeting with my counselor more often I was in contact with my psychiatrist trying to change medications to try to help me from sliding even deeper. But one of the things that I did to prepare for the deep darkness of depression was I went into the scriptures and I pulled out promises of God and I pulled out passages of peace. Then I went to PowerPoint and I took each individual passage and I made a slide in PowerPoint, and I printed them. And then when I was sliding into depression and when I was in the deepest, darkest part of it, I, um, I took out one of those sheets and I read it over and over and over and over again until I memorized it. And then I said it and I said it and I said it over and over and over again because it brought me peace here. There wasn't peace up here in my depression. It brought me peace in my soul, knowing that the shepherd was with me and he was going to keep his promises. One of those scriptures is this one, and I love it. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. He was carrying me close to his heart. Peaceful. He makes us lie down in green pastures and leads us beside the still waters. He gives us peace. 
The shepherd is the source of everything that we need. The shepherd leads to inner peace, and then the shepherd leads to places of holiness. The scripture says, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is when you find out what pleases the Lord and you do that. Righteousness is when you find out what displeases the Lord and you don't do that. Jesus, the good shepherd, leads us in the paths of righteousness because the paths of righteousness leads to the life that we long for, leads to life in all of its fullness. Sin will never do that. Sin will never lead us to the life that we long for because sin is always deadly. Sin is always destructive. Now, sometimes the consequences of sin come immediately and harshly, but sometimes they're incremental that you can't hardly see them, but they start piling on top of one another until they get bigger and bigger and bigger, and before you know it, you're experiencing the consequences of sin. The shepherd leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake because he wants to lead us to life. And our souls can be like broken down, dilapidated, old, historic home that needs restoration. And when you restore a home, many times you rip out something and replace it with something that's new. If your soul needs to be restored today, rip out the sin that's in your life and be restored by the shepherd, by the Holy Spirit, giving you the power to face that sin head on. The shepherd is the source of everything that we need. The shepherd leads to inner peace. The shepherd leads to places of holiness. And then the shepherd leads to places of protection. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup, and imagine. Imagine being in a canyon. Imagine the canyon being filled with rocks that are sharp. Imagine the canyon being so steep on each side that even if you wanted to climb out of it, you wouldn't be able to because the rocks are loose and the sides are too steep. The only way out is through. Now imagine the canyon is getting dark. The sun is starting to set and the shadows are long. Now imagine the canyon is dangerous. There are poisonous snakes, deadly spiders, wolves, and your enemies are standing along the rim of the canyon with their weapons pointed at you. 
how would you feel? What would be your emotions? What would be your feelings? You can open your eyes. Some of you don't have to imagine what those feelings would be. Because right now you are in the valley of the shadow. Maybe you're in the valley of the shadow of grief. Or maybe you're in the valley of substance abuse. Or maybe you're in the valley of divorce or relationship conflict. Maybe you're in the valley of mental illness. Or maybe you're in the valley of financial devastation. Or maybe you're in a valley that I haven't even mentioned. You know the feeling. You know what it feels like. The shepherd is there. The shepherd has a rod. And that rod beats back the enemies. The shepherd has a staff that will guide you through that dangerous canyon. And the shepherd's out a banquet, even in front of your greatest enemy, Satan, and fills your cup to overflowing. The shepherd is there in your valley right now. So how do you see the shepherd? You've heard it before. Read the Bible in those times. Pray. Listen to Christian music. There, there was a time in that deepest, darkest time that I was just telling you about that there was a song called God's Not Done With You Yet, and I thought he was done with me. And I just kept listening to that song over and over again to believe that God's not done with me. Talk to other Christ followers. In fact, let me ask you this. If you are a Christ follower who has been through the valley of the shadow of death, and you would be willing for someone else to come and to share their story with you. You don't counsel them, just share their story with you. And you'd be willing to pray with them either then or later. doesn't matter. If you'd be willing to do that, would you please stand? Friend, if you're in the valley right now, I want you to look around. Look around. And see who you're going to talk to immediately following this service. Choose someone right now that you'll go talk to. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Thank you. You can be seated. The shepherd is the source of everything that we need. The shepherd leads to inner peace. The shepherd leads to places of holiness. The shepherd leads to places of protection. And the shepherd leads to the house of the Lord. In Psalm 23, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
There's a commercial out right now. I wish I knew what website it was promoting. I can't remember, which probably makes it a bad commercial. It says, when you cover about it is this. It's, it's a travel website. And it says, when you come to the end of your life, you will not regret the things you didn't buy. You will regret the places you didn't go. Book your travel with us. <laughs> right? You know, I was thinking about that. I, I, I work, have worked many years in hospice, and uh, it's, it's probably true that sometimes people say, oh, I wish I would have gone to, to France or Ireland or, or Arcade or, or wherever. That may be true, but um, it's the people after death that will regret, some of them, where they've gone. That's not needed. It doesn't have to happen that way. Jesus said, I am the gate Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, when Jesus says, I am the gate, for a long time I didn't understand that, so I had to do research. And what it means by that is, is that shepherds would build in the fields, um, sheep pens that look like this. They were usually round like this one is, and you could see it has a small opening. They would take their sheep into the sheep pen at night to would be the gate and to protect them from thieves. And the shepherd would be the gate because he would lay across that opening to sleep for the night to protect them from the predators and to protect them from the thieves. Jesus said, I am the gate. If you come through me, you will be saved. You will be saved from hell. You will be saved for heaven. Now, some people say that's, that's narrow-minded. That's being exclusive. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How can he say that? Because he gave up his life to do that. The scripture says, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus willingly left the glories of heaven to come to the muck and mire of earth so that we could be saved from hell and saved for heaven. Jesus willingly was beaten, was beaten, was beaten with a whip that had pieces of bone and rock in it that literally shredded his back so that you and I could be saved from hell and saved for heaven. Jesus willingly let them drive nails into his hands 
and feet so you and I could be saved from hell and saved for heaven. Jesus willingly spoke from the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing so that we could be saved from hell and saved for heaven. Jesus willingly breathed his last and died so that you and I could be saved from hell and safe for heaven. Somebody give God praise for that. Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. That may be exclusive. That may be narrow-minded, but it's true. Jesus paid with his life so it could be true. Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Are you one of those other sheep this morning? Are you one of those other sheep that are not a part of Jesus' sheep pen yet? The shepherd is calling your name. The shepherd is calling out to you. And if you will come to him, he will give you peace. He will give you life in all of its fullness. Let us pray. Christ followers, now is the time for you to pray for those in your life who do not know Jesus as their shepherd. Now is the time for you to pray for those in this room who do not know Jesus as their shepherd. Now for those of you who are other sheep and are ready to experience life in all of its fullness by following the shepherd, pray this prayer or something like it. Jesus, I want to be your sheep. I want to experience life in all of its fullness. I have gone astray. I have wandered from you. I have sinned. Please forgive me. I promise that I will follow you, shepherd. I will follow you for the rest of my life. Please, Holy Spirit, give me the power to keep the promise I made today. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the peace that you give us. I thank you for leading us into green pastures and beside still waters. I thank you for the protection that you give us in the valley. I thank you for spreading out the banquet in front of our enemies. I thank you to leading us to the house of the Lord. We praise and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.